The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. So is Jim Harbaugh's new football coaching staff an upgrade or a downgrade? We'll discuss next on this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks for This is no time for that. In the pocket and a sack. Tim Jamison. Brady gets terrific. Frozen and a touchdown night again. Just before Brazil got him, and a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle, caught by Kolodar at the five on his feet, touchdown Michigan! On his way, it's good! He's 5'7", 179 pounds, a junior at Michigan, but Jamie Morris packs a wallop, and he delivers for Bo Schindler. And here's your first play. Pressure coming. Second. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson and Michigan. win the championship again because we're going to play as a team and when we play as a team and the old season is over you and I know it's going to be Michigan again Michigan Go Blue, I'm Steve Dace. Welcome to this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. We have a treat for you coming up a little bit later on in the program. Of course, Super Bowl 55 is this weekend. Wolverine great, Tom terrific, Tom Brady going for his seventh Super Bowl title. Uh, This will be his 10th Super Bowl. He's been the MVP four times. We're going to talk to one of his lifelong friends, uh, Jay Flannelly, who's been a fixture with Michigan football for many years as well. He's going to be joining us to talk about his recollections of Tom and what he expects to see from the game on Sunday. That's coming up in just a little bit. But first, we begin with what we teased at the top. Barring Bryant and Joe Marie getting hired away by Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars, Michigan's football coaching staff for 2021 is now complete. So it's time to ask, how did Jim Harbaugh do with his back against the wall, his career job likely on the line this year? Is this coaching staff an upgrade or a downgrade? Well, let's take a look. Let's begin by taking a look at the defensive side of the football. The new coordinator is 
Mike McDonald taking over for Don Brown. Now, we don't know anything about Mike McDonald. He comes over from the Baltimore Ravens where he had been the linebackers coach. We had not even heard his name discussed anywhere uh, as as a, a, a hot coaching candidate, a new defensive coordinator. There's a lot of uh, now speculation that he was on the come. We don't know. We do have to assume, and I think it's a reasonable assumption, that John Harbaugh would not have sent his brother a complete uh, lemon in his time of need. So that probably gives Mike McDonald some form of the benefit of the doubt, but let's not mince words here. Even though Don Brown probably stayed a year longer than he should have, this is still, uh, for a few years, his first few years in Ann Arbor, he was one of the best defensive coordinators Michigan ever had. Things have just gone downhill, especially ever since the 2018 Ohio State debacle. But before that, I mean, Don Brown was considered one of the best in all of college football, and it didn't take long for him to land another Power 5 job. So I don't know how you can consider this position an upgrade. The defensive line, Sean Newer remains for reasons only a law knows. I have maybe watched our defensive line. Uh, you look at the defensive line recruiting. It's nothing uh, there that has really to be celebrated. Now, the the narrative is that uh, under Don Brown, he was kind of limited pigeonholed. And already you've seen him close George Rooks, who was a top defensive line commitment that Michigan's been after for the better part of the last six to eight months. So you have to hope that that works itself out. Put it this way, it can't be any worse. And Brian Jean-Marie, you have the same linebackers coach you had a year ago. And while there's a lot of regard for him as a recruiter, our linebacker play was terrible last season. The cornerbacks, you're losing Mike Zordich, one of the best teachers in the program. But Maurice Linguist, now I think this is the best assistant hire on the staff, other than one we'll talk about on offense here in a moment. He comes in as the co-defensive coordinator. This is a guy that there has been a lot of buzz and excitement about, both in college and pro circles. He has an impressive resume. I like this addition. I just don't like it at the cost of losing uh, Mike Zordich, who has a phenomenal record of developing corners. And then at safeties, uh, you've got Bob Shoup, who for... um. Reasons. Never coached on the field for Michigan. Last year, George Hilo comes over from Maryland. Have no idea if he's any good, but if he's going to be on the field and actually coaching his position, that's an upgrade because before we had a zero. So when you look at the defensive staff, I, 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 there's no way you can make the case from an X's and O's scheming standpoint that this is an upgrade, at least not on the information we have. Will the defense be better in the fall? If it is, then you know, we'll change our minds. But looking at it right now, I don't know how you can say that. And then on the recruiting side, you would assume that with younger, more aggressive guys that uh, they would add uh, to what's going on in the recruiting trail. But I mean, Michigan right now is looking at 18 or 19 top 250 overall prospects on the roster. Uh, on the defensive side of the football. It, and their problem isn't a lack of talent. And if they don't win enough games this year, it doesn't really matter how well they're going to recruit in years to come because they won't be here another year. So um, at best, cautious optimism, but I think you you kind of have to stretch things to even get there. Now let's go to the other side of the ball and let's look at what has been changed on offense. So Josh Gaddis remains as offensive coordinator. Why, Lord? Why? Uh, over on quarterbacks, now this is a major upgrade. I, I thought this is a move that Jim Harbaugh should have made uh, a while ago. Uh, ben McDaniels, nobody knows what he did or if he was any good at it, but we all know that Jim Harbaugh is considered one of the better quarterback coaches uh, in modern football. We just unfortunately haven't seen that play out too often at Michigan, but now he's going to have hands-on, so I think there's a definitive upgrade there. This one I don't understand at all. I mean, look at Ed Warner. 
being kicked to the curb. Guys, Ed Warner might have saved Jim Harbaugh's job. If you look at how disastrous that de- that offensive line was in 2017, and he took virtually that exact same unit, almost none of those, and none of those guys he recruited. So that almost that exact same unit added John Runyon Jr. He didn't recruit any of those guys or John Runyon Jr. and put together an offensive line the very next year with those same exact players that was one game away from the college football playoff. And then a year later, all four of those guys got picked in the NFL draft. To kick that guy to the curb when we have offensive line prospects from all over the country flocking here to come and play for Ed Warner, I don't understand that at all. And then you're replacing him with Sharon Moore, who we all agree is a great recruiter. One problem, he's never coached offensive line ever. And now he's getting a co-OC title. That strikes me as, hey, what do we have to do to stop you from going back to Oklahoma? That's a, I, I'm glad that Sharon Moore is retained, but I would not have retained Sharon Moore at the cost of Ed Warner. I, and, and no, in none of the nine realms in all of the multiverse can you make the case Sharon Moore is an upgrade over Ed Warner. Wide receivers coach Josh Gaddis coached that position last year. Ronald Bellamy, former Wolverine, comes in from one of the most decorated high school programs in the state of Michigan to coach that position full-time there. Running backs, Jay Harbaugh moves on. He's going to just do tight ends and special teams where Sharon Moore previously was. And enter Mike Hart, leading rusher in Michigan football history, comes over from Indiana, where he did a phenomenal job coaching running backs there, recruiting running backs there as well. That's clearly an upgrade for Michigan. The other thing about the Hart and, and Bellamy hires, if you have to make a coaching change this fall, and I think the odds are pretty high that they will, um, those are the kinds of guys that you retain. If you're not, if you're a guy coming in from another program, um, uh, you know you retain guys like Ronald Bellamy and Mike Hart because they're legacies back to the Michigan football program and tradition that you're trying to rebuild. Plus, neither one of them are in coordinator slots, so it doesn't preclude you from you know picking your primary brain trust within the program that you want to establish as well. So I think Mike Hart and Ronald Bellamy are going to be here for a while, whether Jim Harbaugh ends up making it this fall or not. And and I just don't know, looking at this staff, that you can say the odds are higher than they were before this coaching shuffle began, that, that Jim's going to be able to turn it around. I don't, I don't know how you could possibly make that case. I don't. Um, so I, I want to be wrong, man. I'm tired of watching meaningless Michigan football. 15 years without a championship. Longest drought in school history. I don't want that drought to go on. I don't want to have to make a coaching change. I don't want to waste three more months in the fall like we've done too many times over the years as Michigan fans, like we did last year under Jim Harbaugh. Um, I just think you're really projecting if you think that staff is a giant leap forward from what they had. I hope they prove us wrong. A thank you to all of you that support us via Patreon. Patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast. So many of you have asked for the last few years, hey, how can we support what you guys are doing? That's the best way is to support us via Patreon. There's three different levels that you can do that, but if you just sign up for the exclusive club at $5 a month, you also get reaction podcasts throughout the year, uh, as well as uh, our handicapping predictions. And right now we're in the throes of college basketball season. So thank you to the hundreds of you that are supporting us right now on Patreon. And you're welcome to do the same at patreon.com slash Michigan podcast.
Well, coming up this Sunday is Super Bowl 55. It'll be the 10th Super Bowl for Tom Brady, uh, one of the great uh, alumni, NFL alumni, maybe the greatest NFL alumni in the history of Michigan football. 10 Super Bowls. Stop and think about the fact that one out of every five or so Super Bowls in history, Tom Brady has been in. He's going for a fifth MVP award, a seventh Super Bowl trophy. How has he done this? I mean, what 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 has produced this level of greatness? To discuss, let's bring on one of Tom's longtime friends who just so happens to also be a fixture around Michigan athletics as well. Jay Flannelly is here with us on Michigan Podcast. And Jay, it's a pleasure to have you with us for the first time. Brother Go Blue, how are you? I'm doing great, Steve. Thanks for having me on. So first of all, start with your history. I mean, anybody who's read a John U. Bacon book, they've probably seen your name. But start with your history with Tom Brady, kind of how you know Tom Terrific. Real simple. Uh, I played at a really good high school in Andover, Massachusetts, and Cam Cameron came to recruit one of my high school teammates, Joe Marinaro, who ended up being the captain here in 95. Mm -hmm. I followed Joe out here in 93, worked for the team, was part of the Moeller, Gary Moeller staff, and he's an underrated great coach, by the way, and a great man. He did a lot for me. And then Coach Carr took over, and not coincidentally, I was kind of uh, Coach Carr's uh, right-hand guy uh, behind the scenes, and then he took over. And the skinny California kid came in 95, and one of my early roommates was Jason Carr. Hmm. was the senior quarterback on the 95 team, mm-hmm. and we semi-adopted Tom. And Tom is kind of like he is now. He was a sponge. Back then, he was more of a baseball guy. He was kind of new to football, and he just kind of asked a lot of good questions. Um, Just a really, really good guy, hard worker. And at the time, I was working at Mr. Spots, and, you know, Tom likes to joke that I give him free chicken wings. That's how we met and everything. But um, (laughs) – Tommy used to go by there because Spots is on the way to the stadium and the, and the football building. And, uh, you know, he would come in and we would talk and uh, we always just hit it off. And, you know, like the first time I met him, I said, you know, Tom, this is really important because you you're going to win six Super Bowls, so it's good down the road. You know, I knew this all was going to happen, Steve. That's what I like to joke and tell people. <laughs> so, but, yeah, Tom, you're going to go from being the seventh-string quarterback in Michigan to go in the, you know, winning six or well, maybe seven, God willing, Sunday, and do all these historic great things. And right now, nobody knows who you are, but that's, yeah, that's why I tell him when he was always talking about transferring or leaving and stuff. But no, it's incredible. Um, incredible that he's come from this to do what he's doing now. It's just crazy. You, I'm not going to ask you, did you see any hints of this? Because no one in their right mind saw the 199th pick in the draft, let alone the number one overall pick in the draft, having this kind of a career. I mean, he's 43 years old, statistically had his best season this year since the undefeated Patriot team when they unleashed a fully armed and operational Randy Moss on the rest of the NFL. And I mean, this is, it's been amazing what he's done, but for, for you who was there when he was a player here, and for me who watched as a fan every snap he ever took in a Michigan uniform, yeah. there were some hints at the very least that he was highly underrated going into that draft, weren't there, Jay? I mean, look at his performance in the biggest games in his Michigan career while he was facing you know a consistent perpetual challenge from the number one high school quarterback in the country, Drew Henson, for two years. But it was against... 
Uh, it was that it was that game against Penn State where they came out of nowhere and and shut them yep. out in 1998, or the bowl game when he brought him back against Arkansas. I always think of the comeback against Penn State uh, his senior year back in 1999, and then of course everybody remembers yep. uh, the way he just threw over around and through Alabama in the Orange Bowl. So at the very least, we got some hints that the NFL was severely underrating this cat. Steve, you know I love you, but thank you for saying that. When you go back and watch a lot of the games, and I have a really good sounding board for this, uh, CPR, Coach P. Riley, my high school special team coach, you know, Mass. huge Steve Dace fan, by the way, listened to everything you guys oh, well, do. Tell him I said thank you. Talk. Yeah. Yeah. So he always listens and pays attention to your stuff. So he goes back and watches a lot of these games, and he'll message me, hey, Jay, uh, they're running – they're running the Patriots offense. They're doing this and that. They're doing the stuff he did. And I'm glad you mentioned in 98 season, the Purdue game, the Penn State game, the Auburn Bowl game. And everybody knows about the Orange Bowl where literally, if you go watch that now, that's the guy who's playing now in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Something just evolved. And the Penn State game, Jerry Sandusky's last game, they had LeVar Arrington and Courtney Brown. They were the number one team in the country in Minnesota, beating them the last week before in the Dan Nystrom field goal, no time left. Um, just There was a lot of incredible things, but I think the, the biggest change was, and you learn this a lot about the guys that are the high draft picks. Why does John Elway make it? And Johnny Menzel doesn't. And why does Peyton Manning make it and not Ryan Leaf? I think it's the work habits. And Tommy was always a – he became a football-focused guy. We've seen it now with the TB12 and the diet and everything. But he's a football guy, and he just worked at it. And he worked to make himself better. I mean, one of the more underrated things he did in his career that nobody ever talks about, and this goes back to 2001 – you know, 2000, he gets drafted. Bledsoe is there. They had John Freeze and Michael Bishop. He wasn't playing. They signed Damien Heward, I believe, to a two- or three-year deal to come in and be Bledsoe's backup. And what did Tommy do? Tommy, I'd call Tommy and want to go to a bar. He didn't want to go out. He was working. He would be uh, working, preparing, trained to be the number two quarterback. He went into training camp that year. He won the number two quarterback job. And regardless of the Mo Lewis-Drew Bledsoe thing, if Tom Brady doesn't work hard and prepare to be the number two quarterback, there's a good chance you're not talking to me right now, Steve. Hmm. Because that's why that type of thing, when Tom sees a mountain in front of him, his job is to climb it. I mean, one of the best things I can say about Tom is if Tom believes if he was the captain of the Titanic, it wouldn't have sunk. <laughs> and that's just, that's just well said. the way he focuses and thinks things through and you know helped me through my drug and alcohol problems he's helped so many other guys there's a million things that you people don't know about Mm. that he does behind the scenes he'll send me he'll send somebody else um you know there's so many things that he does on a day-to-day basis that people have no concept of what he's doing behind the scenes but his whole focus is on the opponent getting better, and helping his teammates win. You know, as you were talking, I I hadn't thought about this in so long, Jay. I remember, do you remember the fabulous sports babe on ESPN Radio back in the day? Okay, here's a great story off of that. Remember when Coach Carr used to go on there and call her Nancy? Yes. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. By the way, I got to tell Definitely. you, I got to, I got to tell you what my uh, an interaction I had with Lloyd Carr here before we let you go. Remind me, I got to do that. Okay. But, um, okay, he's one of my, that's one of my, my second dad, by the way, I love him like a father. Th- then you're going to love the story. You're going to love the story. I'm going to tell you here in a few minutes, but, um, yeah. I used to listen to this fabulous sports babe working in the you know mailroom at Blue Cross because she get all the top ESPN guests on that you could listen to them give their takes on during the day and I remember it was the day after the that Orange Bowl because remember that was the Y two K bowl game and we weren't even sure we were gonna get to watch it right if the world was gonna end and so I'm listening to the fabulous sports babe the day after that Orange Bowl and she's got Sal Palantonio on. And, yep. and they're supposed to be talking about the NFL playoffs, but they start talking about uh, Tom Brady's performance in that game the previous night. And Sal Powell starts talking about, yeah, I mean, we're sitting here in the, you know, in the football room here, in, you know, in the, it, 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 on the ESPN campus debating with each other how high in the first round a guy like Tom Brady is going to get picked after a game like that. And the fabulous sports babe was like, oh, come on, listen, Matt. I mean, he doesn't have the measurables. I mean, that was a great game, but let's not go nuts here. And of course, he ends up going in the sixth round Maybe Sal Powell knew what he was talking about there, Jay. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, Sal has been around the game, and uh, he's talked to a lot of different people. But, no, if, if you go back to the draft, because I was talking to Tom at the time. He was told, I think, he would go in the second, anywhere from the second to the fourth round, and he had like four or five different teams, and one of them was the New York Giants, and there were a couple other ones that were talking to him. Um and that's, you know, that's part of the famous story where he was out in his yard breaking the bat in his yard and his, he wasn't really doing well. And, you know, I get all this credit for being Tom's friend. Let me give everybody here a little life lesson. I know you love this type of stuff, Steve. But I never looked at Tom Brady and said, wow, he's going to be Michael Jordan. He's going to be Michael Phelps. He's going to be Muhammad Ali. He was just my friend. I call him literally an hour after the draft. And he and I used to hang out and watch games on the NFL on Sunday, and I'd wear my Drew Budsoe jersey. And he would wear his 49ers stuff. And he was so happy to be drafted. And the best part of this is he didn't know when New England was. And that's how I got started doing the scouting reports for him on the teams. But the best, the best line ever, so I mean, he's getting ready to hang up on me. And he knows I love Drew Bledsoe, and he says, Beef, and he was half-joking and half-serious, I'm going there to take Bledsoe's job. Real, real low confidence guy. You know, it's yes. It's, uh, it real no confidence in believe he he's Batman, but he thinks he can keep kick Superman's ass. I know you guys are comic book people. You so bet. I use that yeah, for you. absolutely. So, what do you think happens Sunday? They're the first team to ever play a home game for the Super Bowl, and of course, it's going to be sparsely populated because of COVID restrictions. But still, it is the Super Bowl. He, I, what, I, listen, there's so many amazing stats with this guy, Jay. But this, this, this one I saw last week might be the most amazing of them all. Already this year, his one year with the Buccaneers, he has more, or he, I'm sorry, he has as many road playoff wins in one year with the Buccaneers. As Joe Montana had his entire career with the 49ers, he won he, in the NFL. He won one pro, won an NFC Championship game at Chicago, I, I can, and he won yeah, one AFC divisional playoff yeah. game with the Chiefs. That's an incredible stat, Jay. I got a better one for you. Last weekend, Tom matched Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees for NFC Championships. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one too. His first year in the NFC. Yes, yes, that's okay. Yeah. Just, just to give you. A, yeah, just there's so many stats with Tom. Like he's playing with Antoine Winfield's son. Uh, he, he played against him in college. Yeah, 
Yeah. 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 He's playing. He could draft, and I think Tom threw an interception to him in both college and the pro. I got to get it right. <laughs> Hopefully, I got that one right. He'll kill me if I got that wrong. But the other one, the other one that's really interesting, Amari Rogers, the Clemson wide receiver. That is T. Martin's son, and T. Martin's one of the Brady six. He's one of the six QBs that was dropped ahead of Tom. Wow. As far as the game goes, I'm going to break it down for you real easy. Every one of the games between Pat Mahomes and Tom Brady has been within a touchdown. I believe when you look at the combined scores in their four games, Tom is winning by one point. Here's the thing. This isn't Pat Mahomes versus Tom Brady. This is Pat Mahomes versus Todd Bowles and Steve Spagnola versus Tom Brady. And real simply put, the Chiefs run two types of coverages. They run cover three, which is one deep safety, and cover two constantly. They blitz, they're around 35% blitz rate. But when they played the Bucks the first time, they're around 45%. And that was because of the score, what it was. The, the Bucks need to attack them with four verticals. That's four deeps. It can be... Mm-hmm. A tight end, three wide receivers, any or four wide receivers, because the Bucks have five wide receivers. Antonio Brown's going to play in the game, by the way. But or when they're in the one cover, that's when they will go twelve personnel, which is two tight ends, and they will try to hit Mike Evans over the top for a bomb. The Bucks hit three to five big plays in this game. They're going to win. the The key whole thing here is that the Buccaneers defense and Todd Bowles, because they they had destroyed by Tari Kill at the beginning of the game. But they have to make a decision. Bowles has to decide man or zone, because in man, that's Tari Kill. Zone, it's Travis Kelsey. I think they will mix it up. I think they will get some pressure with the Chiefs' offensive line being banged up. And, uh, you know, they'll uh, get some pressure. Um, the last time I bet against Tom Brady was never. <laughs> so um, I'm never going to bet against him publicly, privately. Uh, I think they're going to somehow win the game. And you mentioned the crowd. Uh, one of the team doctors for the Bucks is a good friend of mine. He's on my Facebook. And he just messaged. I was talking with some of my Boston friends. And he said he thinks the crowd is going to be pretty good for the Bucks. It's This is a very strange game. The Super Bowl is strange normally because you have so many corporate people, mm-hmm. you know, our types of people, Steve, the corporate hedge fund guys, those yes, type of guys. Yes. Guys, guys you and I roll with, yes. you know, those type big roller guys. So so that's what I think there's going to be a little bit decided advantage. And the healthcare workers, the number now I believe is 25,000 is going to be at the game. But I, I think that that's going to be the key to the game. And uh, it's it's the defensive coordinators for everybody. But uh, I think the Bucks are going to somehow win the game. I, I, I really do. Well, that'll disappoint Aaron because he's a lifelong Chiefs fan, but he won it last year so he can get over himself. All right, I got to tell you my Lloyd Carr story before we let you go. Okay, so. Okay, and then it, I got I to get a shameless plug in, but go ahead after I, that. Go it, ahead. It's, go. My, it's my first full time year in sports talk radio here in Des Moines, Iowa. And I mean, I, I want to go cover everything that we've never covered before, including Big Ten football media days. So I go to Chicago sure. for the entire weekend. Um, and, 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 and the way they used to have it set up is on the second day, the players and coaches would all sit at individual tables and you'd go around getting interviews or, or quotes. Well, I didn't, sure. I, 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 I didn't want to get, you know, like quotes from people. I'm not a newspaper writer. I'm, I'm a radio host. I'm going there to get long form interviews. So I go to Lloyd Carr's sure. table and I'm not wearing any Michigan gear or anything. You know, I'm, 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 I'm trying to 
put it off like I'm a professional. So I go to Lloyd Carr's table. Of course, it's jam-packed because he's the Michigan coach. I wait my turn. And then when there's a lull in the action, I step in with my recorder and I start interviewing him like he's on my radio show. And I ask him like two or three questions and then he does that. He answers them and then like turns away like, okay, I had my shot. Now it's somebody else's turn. Well, I, well, you know this about me, Jay. I'm not easily deterred. Okay. And so uh, no, I just, I just, never. yeah, I just kept asking my questions and he's getting increasingly annoyed that I turned this into like a 12, 13 minute radio interview. And I mean, he was pretty rude to me at the end, but I don't care. I, I got the audio I wanted and then just walked away. All right. So after, after the, uh, the interview session was done is when they have the banquet. And that's when the fans used to be allowed to come in and meet all the coaches and players and get photos and autographs and everything. So this is a, this is a few hours later. I go down in the line to get my picture taken with Lloyd Carr. And I wait. And I'm the last picture he takes. And, and I walk up to get my picture taken. He looks at me funny. And Lloyd says, wait a minute. Weren't you the dude just interviewing me a few hours ago that kept asking all those questions? I said, yeah, coach. I mean, I, 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 mean, I work for Iowa Sports Radio but I'm a lifelong Michigan fan. I just didn't say that, you know, at the beginning because I was trying to, you know, make it look objective and professional. And he looked at me, Jay, and he said, you should have just told me you were a Michigan fan going in. I'd have been a hell of a lot nicer to you. And then he took, <laughs> and the, and then he took a picture and we got along great after that. I thought you'd appreciate that. So, No, that's, that's how Coach Carr is. And honestly, there's so many stories like that. You just interact with them and tell them how you're, you know, you're, you're what you are. And he he's always usually go above and beyond. And he has a thing with Iowa because he was very good friends with Hayden Fry and a lot of the coaches there. Mm-hmm. Um, the defensive coordinator was there forever. Parker. Norm Parker. I, I knew Norm Parker yeah. very well. And Norm Parker yeah. was my buddy. Yes. Yeah, so that, and I know you got Aaron there, who's a big uh, Hawkeyes fan. But again, um, Steve, thanks for having me on. You know, with the COVID and everything, I think it's important that people support you and, you know, Patreon and all that. And out here in Michigan with the COVID, my buddies, M. Den and Pete's House, everybody support them, big Michigan fans. Come out, Pete's House, M. Den, and Steve and all his Patreon partners. You get the three uh, things going. You got you and Mark Rogers, Bigger Ten, and uh, Michigan Podcast. Tremendous stuff. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate it, man. Go Blue. Enjoy the Super Bowl, all right? Take care. Well, I won't enjoy it. I haven't enjoyed a game since September 23rd, 2001, but I will try in your honor, Steve. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jay. We'll come back Thank and wrap you. things up on Michigan Podcast here in a moment. A thank you to all of you that support us via Patreon. Patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast. So many of you have asked for the last few years, hey, how can we support what you guys are doing? That's the best way is to support us via Patreon. There's three different levels that you can do that. But if you just sign up for the exclusive club at $5 a month, you also get reaction podcasts throughout the year, uh, as well as uh, our handicapping predictions. And right now we're in the throes of college basketball season. So thank you to the hundreds of you that are supporting us right now on Patreon. And you're welcome to do the same at patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. This week's Twitter poll results. We asked you, do you think Jim Harbaugh's football coaching staff is better or worse than last season? 46% of you said too early to tell. That's probably the most prudent choice. 30% of you said better. I want some of what you're having. 23.4% of you said worse. And that brings us to this week's feedback of the week from Poisonous Nut. Can take that a couple of different ways. He writes, 
Although, should we assume gender? Yes. Not a single one of your intro clips for this show is in HD. It's got to be tough to be so consistently terrible. Yes. Yeah, it is. You don't think I don't know that? I'm the one that picked the clips for the intro. I'm well aware of the fact they're all in standard definition. They're all formatted for a 19-inch color TV from Sears that you got from Maxwell Lord. Yeah, I'm, I'm well aware of that. Thank you for rubbing it in, poisonous nut. And that's that's where I would like to kick you. Thank you. That'll do it for this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. Back at it again next week. We have our first full look at Michigan's 2021 roster with recruiting, signing day, come and gone. We get an idea now which fifth-year guys are returning, what guys left and moved on to the NFL draft. We'll break that down on next week's episode. Until then, remember to like, rate, share, subscribe, um, upvotes, yes votes, five-star reviews, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, whichever platform that you utilize in order to access what we do here at Michigan Podcast. Keep that positive feedback coming. Please keep sharing this with all the Michigan fans you know. Follow us on Twitter at Michigan Podcast during the week to keep up with what we think on all things maize and blue. And until next week, I'm Steve Dace. Go Blue.